You're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Melina. I'm Ben. We're part of Your Future is Our Business, which is a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers by connecting them to adults through programs such as college and career expos, group panels, and other work-based learning activities. You're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview and highlight the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, how did they get that job? Or what is that job really like? Then keep on listening. We'd like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. Please note that information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. Today, we're joined by Kelly DeBane. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. And Kelly DeBane is a veterinarian with Healthy Pets for All. And can you tell us a little bit about your organization and what a veterinarian does? Sure. So Healthy Pets for All is actually a charitable program here in Santa Cruz County that was originally founded in 2017 under the name Santa Cruz Veterinary Street Outreach. Um, I established that program because I saw a very big need for providing low cost or free preventive veterinary care for pet owners who were homeless or otherwise facing financial challenges like low-income status and whatnot. Um, And since then, we've established that program officially with the Santa Cruz County Animal Shelter. And so it's up and running. We run monthly clinics typically. We have a clinic every month and we set up at a location where would best serve that population. So sometimes it's Salvation Army Community Center, Project Homeless Connect, which is a biannual event, different low-income senior housing facilities where people have pets and are challenged by seeking basic care for their pet, like vaccines or flea control. So yeah, we offer monthly clinics and can serve those populations as they need it. Great. And can you tell us a little bit about your background and how and why you wanted to become a veterinarian? Yeah, so I grew up with pets and like I would say 100% of veterinarians love animals. Mm -hmm. And I also was really interested in science and problem solving. I speculated whether going to med school might also be an option, but then I realized I kind of think people are a little bit gross and I (laughs) can't really imagine (laughs) looking at people's skin lesions and whatnot. So I... I knew I liked animals. I knew I wanted to help others and at the core of what I wanted to do. And so I pursued a biology degree in college Mm -hmm. and then applied to veterinary schools my junior year of college and um, went down that path and so became a veterinarian four years after I graduated from college. And what was that process like for vet school? So vet school, there's less than 30 vet schools in the United States. So there's very few opportunities for people to get in. It's a highly competitive process. You have to get good grades, show demonstration that you're proficient in science and math. And even public speaking is sometimes a requirement for some of the vet schools. And then there are, of course, uh, limited seats at any of those vet schools for students to get into. And then once you're in the vet school, it depends on the curriculum at each school, but typically it's a four-year degree following your bachelor's. And your first year, you focus on the basic sciences, so physiology, anatomy, neurology, cardiology, kind of the basics of how the body works across many different species. So, Mm -hmm. for example, like our anatomy class, we dissected cats, dogs, horses, and cows. Of course, that's not all animals, but that's kind of the basics to get Mm -hmm. started. And then your 
your second year is typically start looking at what could go wrong in the body. So you look at, um, you take classes in pathology, virology, bacteriology. So those focusing on bacteria, viruses, just general disease processes within the body, within those body systems that you just learned the year prior. And then your third year, you start learning how to treat those problems. And then your fourth year, typically, you're applying what you learned in a clinical setting. That's how I went through vet school at the University of Illinois. I know while I was there, they were starting to transform that curriculum into something where students are getting more hands-on clinical work earlier in the four-year process, which I think is um, would be really beneficial. And um, so when I imagined... Uh veterinarians, for some reason, I imagine that there was a shortage because you, you know, it seems that there are whatever city you're in, it seems like there's so few places to, mm-hmm. to get that kind of work done. But it sounds like it's it's the opposite. Or is there too many people applying to become veterinarians? So there's two, there's, well, there's a lot of people applying to be veterinarians, but through that admission process, they whittle it down to, gosh, I, I should probably have a number for you, probably a few thousand every year are graduating. And then, of course, you have to get your license to practice. So just because you have a diploma doesn't mean you can legally practice as a veterinarian. So typically, you take your national boards exam, and then each state has their own process to get a license. And California is known to be one of the hardest states to get a license for whatever reason. But there are many clinics that are hiring right now. So it's, in a sense, it's hard to get through to a point where you can be in that career. Mm -hmm. But once you're in that career setting, there are plenty of opportunities to get hired at different clinics, whether it's a small animal clinic treating dogs and cats. But where the real shortage is, is rural medicine with large animals. So oftentimes those communities have very few veterinary options. And veterinarians in the area travel like 300 miles um, in a given week just to see their patients. And then were you able to pick a specialty or just all animals in general? That's a good question. So typically when you go through vet school, at least when I went through school, you might do a specific concentration, kind of like a major, but you're also taking general education classes. So you're learning about dogs and cats, even though you've you think you want to specialize in equine or horses. Or fish or something. Exactly. (laughs) So then you try to get, you know, most schools try to make sure the veterinarians have a well-rounded background because that's just essentially what the career is, Mm. is a broad skill set. And then after vet school, you typically, which is different from a a physician who has to go into a medical internship Mm. after graduating, veterinarians can go and get their license and practice immediately. And so most people just go into either a general mixed clinic setting, which are treating a variety of animals, or many do end up just treating dogs and cats. But it, like, say, for example, someone was super interested in zoo medicine, which mm-hmm. I have a friend who does that. That is a long road after vet school to get your internship that's specific to that track a residency, which is typically a three-year program. So that's where a physician would specialize in internal yeah. medicine. A veterinarian would specialize in zoo medicine yeah. or dentistry. Okay. So it's an option. Not many people do it, but there's mm-hmm. definitely that option. So so you've given us kind of a, a good rundown of how, mm-hmm. what the educational path is to becoming a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. But what, uh, what in what other ways do you have to prepare yourself to take on this kind of career? I think for, you know, students who are in high school or even junior high or college, it's important to take classes and get good grades, essentially, to 
be perfectly honest, in mm. science and math classes. And I think one of the most important things is starting to get experience in the field mm. and not just pigeonholing that experience to shadowing a small animal veterinarian. That's important, and I think it's important to also talk to those veterinarians mm. honestly about their experiences through their career paths because everyone's had a different experience yeah. and um, people have different perspectives on what could be helpful or not and then also getting other experience so maybe working at an animal shelter or shadowing a farm animal vet or shadowing even a veterinarian who works in government or at a corporation so getting a wide variety of perspectives I think is really helpful. And what kind of skills and qualities are important to have if you were to be a veterinarian? I think the very basic level just a curiosity and interest in problem solving and analyzing information because you're continuously going to be collecting information whether it be from a lab test or your physical exam and then trying to assess what problem could be but I think another very important skill is active listening another piece to that diagnostic process is your physical exam but also listening and talking with the pet owner and asking questions in a way that will help get as much information as possible in a very short period of time, like 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think having thick skin is essential in this career. With the you know advent of social media and Yelp reviews, people give reviews on vet clinics and veterinarian specifically and you know some days are really tough and I think you really just need to have thick skin and an ability to check in with yourself on your emotions too because it can be really hard for some people for most veterinarians Mm -hmm. to leave work and just leave work at work and so you often kind of rehash things in your head for for a lot of young veterinarians is kind of thinking what what could I have done better there to make that go better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What To Be at KSQD 90.7 FM, Santa Cruz. I'm Melina, and I'm joined by our other host, Ben. We're speaking with Kelly DeBain, who is a veterinarian in Santa Cruz, and she is also a health services manager in the Controllable Disease Unit for Santa Cruz County. And before we shift gears and talk about your career in health, I wanted to ask you, what kind of responsibilities do you have as a veterinarian? That's a good question. So I, w- I can speak to being a veterinarian in a small animal practice that's a, or a shelter setting even. I can't really speak exactly to being a cattle veterinarian, yeah. but typically you're seeing appointments typically all day. So it's mostly a schedule-based day-to-day work style. You work in a clinic with a team of vet techs or vet assistants and receptionists. You see appointments where you greet a pet owner and their pet and you discuss with them what their their issues are and what their needs are. And typically you do your physical exam, which is one of the most important diagnostic tools veterinarians have because we cannot talk to our patients to find out what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And so we have to feel and look and hear to see if we can find out clues to what's going on. And then we provide our recommendations to the pet owners, whether it's for preventive care like vaccines or fleet control or next steps in trying to determine what could be causing their symptoms. Mm -hmm. So that might be blood work or x-rays or taking a sample of their feces or urine Mm -hmm. to see if there's any indication of what could be going on. Mm -hmm. And then making your best judgment based on the diagnostic tools you've used to decide what is likely going on Mm -hmm. and making recommendations on treatment, whether that might be surgery or Uh, just a medication or a change in their diet. And then a big part of what we do is communicate with the clients. It's basically providing health education to a pet owner about their pet. So 
what we can do to prevent an infection from recurring or spreading to another pet in the household or even to the pet owner themselves, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned pet owners, mm-hmm. right? Did you have to get any training in vet school on how to interact with pet parents and humans? That's a great question because I think that might be a common misconception to the job is that we are almost exclusively working with animals, but a huge part of a veterinarian's role is communication with people, with the public, and then, of course, with their co-workers. Mm-hmm. At the core of veterinary medicine, as most people know it, for small animal practices, is it's a public service career. So you are in a customer service career. So in some ways, someone might be swinging by the vet clinic to get their dog vaccinated on the way to get their oil changed, and they may <laughs> perceive those services as you know, an errand in their day. Mm -hmm. And so it's really our job and a challenge for veterinarians to communicate with pet owners what, you know, the gold standard of medicine is, what our recommendations are, and then Mm -hmm. work with the pet owner based on their ability to cover those costs because practicing medicine costs money, Mm -hmm. as we know in healthcare with the human side, is making sure that we're communicating effectively with uh, pet owners. Mm -hmm. Any interesting stories that you can share? Yeah. Yeah. So when I worked in Santa Barbara, I worked at a really wonderful animal shelter for the county. It was called Animal Shelter Assistance Program, ASAP. And we took in homeless cats and kittens, which are my favorite animals. So it was one of my favorite clinical veterinary jobs. And what was really cool about this shelter is that we had this amazing behavior team. They called it the behavior wellness team, Mm -hmm. meaning we really took it seriously and spent time with cats that came in with behavior issues instead of assuming that they were not adoptable because Mm -hmm. every time you walk by the cage, they would swipe and hiss and try to bite anyone who tried to clean their cage. Um, Our team would patiently spend a lot of time just slowly coming up to their cage and being really careful with how they did things so that they wouldn't cause more behavioral issues. But over time, these cats just completely transformed into cats that could be held Mm -hmm. and petted and essentially adopted after that. So it took time, but it's just, it's, it was such a cool experience Mm -hmm. to see those cats transform into sweet cats Mm -hmm. that many people would love to have in their homes. (laughs) <laughs> and um, could you share with us uh, your most interesting or favorite thing that you learned as a result of being a veterinarian? Yeah, so, you know, when I was in veterinary school, part of our education is focused on infectious diseases and epidemiology, which is the study of disease patterns in data. And what's really cool, I think, is that <laughs> <laughs> over 60% of human infectious diseases actually originate from animals. And so things like rabies, of course, Mm -hmm. is the quintessential one, Um, salmonella, E. coli, Lyme disease, West Nile virus. These are Mm -hmm. all diseases that in some way can be passed from animals, either directly or indirectly. And that was when I started becoming very interested in how veterinarians can play a different role in the community Mm -hmm. in a way of protecting public health by Mm -hmm. um, performing disease control measures and epidemiology. And so it kind of took me down a different focus in veterinary school. And that's where I applied to a dual degree program at the University of Illinois. It's a doctor of veterinary medicine slash master of public health degree. So I ended up completing my master's soon after vet school and, you know, got the training and skills that 
gave me a little bit more knowledge on public mm. health and epidemiology. And later in my career, that, that's where I'm at now, mm. is I'm almost exclusively in public health. I work mm. at our county public health department in our communicable disease unit. Mm. And so I do veterinary work on the side, and I do the public health stuff day to day. And what do you do as a health services manager? So my role as a health services manager is overseeing our communicable disease unit and epidemiologists. So the core mission... What, is, what does all that mean? What does all that mean? So <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, <laughs> Communicable disease means infectious disease, essentially, so a disease that can be transmitted from one person to another Mm -hmm. um, indirectly or directly. And then disease control could mean many things, but in our context, we have a staff of public health nurses and epidemiologists who receive case reports of reportable infectious diseases, which that Mm -hmm. means by law providers and certain members of the public are required to report those diseases to public health. And we investigate how that person could have been exposed, Mm -hmm. what were their risk factors, are other people at risk for being exposed, were they treated properly, is this contained, and then we collect that data and make sure it's accurate and report that to the state who then reports that to the CDC. And that's where we get, you know, little factoids about the number of Lyme diseases we have, disease cases we have in California, or Mm -hmm. the number of Campylobacter cases, which is typically a Mm -hmm. foodborne illness, that occurred between the years of 2010 and 2019. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of where epidemiology plays a role. And did you have to get any kind of education or training for that? For me to do this position, I, I got my master's of public health in epidemiology the health services manager position at the county in, as a general classification does not require that, mm-hmm. but it is to someone's advantage to have some sort of background mm-hmm. in public health or healthcare systems and then a background or some experience in administrative activities. So a lot of what mm-hmm. I do is tends to be more management and administrative. So mm-hmm. it's I, I work at my desk. Mm-hmm. I have meetings. It's very, very, very different from working in a clinic setting as a veterinarian. For better or worse. <laughs> and between your two jobs as one as the health services manager and also as a veterinarian, which education was more terrible? I would say hands down the veterinary school education. So getting your doctor of veterinary medicine is hands down much harder. Those are some of the hardest years of my life, but also I think back fondly on them because I mm-hmm. met some really great people and you know, it was just a very transformative time, but very difficult to get through and pass and survive. <laughs> and for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Ben, and I'm joined by our other host, Melina. We're speaking with Kelly DeBain and learning about their journey to becoming a veterinarian as well as a health service manager. And we would like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. Information provided during this program does not necessarily reflect this career in its entirety. Is there a common misconception that people might have about being a veterinarian? I think there are a few. I think one misconception is that, you know, all day we play with puppies and kittens. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely those moments where you get a litter 
in or one single puppy your kitten in and it just brightens up everyone's week but um that's not your day in and day out experience so like i had mentioned before a lot of our work is um, relating with the public and oftentimes going over estimates of how much you know recommendations to treat or care for someone's pet will cost and having those challenging conversations Mm -hmm. with people about finances And I think that's one of the hardest parts about being a veterinarian. A lot of people think it's euthanasia, which is humanely ending a creature's life. And I I think, yes, that can be hard, but that also in some way way is a, a gift to end suffering. But instead, I think it's really difficult to have to work through a difficult situation with a client who may not be able to afford or maybe even is unwilling to pay for treatment and as in a veterinarian at a clinic that you don't run you don't own the business typically it's a small business yeah. you don't have the ability to give away care for free yeah. and were you given any piece of advice that maybe you've carried with you through the years from like maybe a mentor figure or someone who, who kind of guided you along the way I think just in general, not any specific person. I've had a lot of really great mentors along the way, but just, again, is just checking in with the values you have in life and making sure you're remaining true to those values because a job situation will feel wrong and you will essentially, you might be missing the point if you're just kind of stressed and if you're not checking in with yourself and just pausing and trying to understand is is it because of this or is it because of this? Not making assumptions, just trying to check in with yourself along the way. And that goes for any job, you know, whether it's a veterinary job or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you personally like to do that? Like maintain a healthy work and life balance? I'm still working on that. Working. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think making sure I carve out time to hang out with family and friends and try my best to leave work at home mm-hmm. and or designate time that, okay, if I do need to do something, outside of the office or clinic I'm just going to do it in this hour and that's it Mm -hmm. and and let it go and walk away from it and then just finding for anybody it's just making sure you have your own I don't know coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. to give yourself some space Mm -hmm. and time and that could be journaling that could be walking on the beach we have many ways to do that here and always checking in with yourself am I keeping true to those values and of course those can change over time your values at 18 will be very different potentially from when you're 35 but making sure that at the core of your being what is it that you want to do do you want to help people do you want to help animals Do you want to do both do you want to have a job that's allows you to have a family um, and have that flexibility mm-hmm. and is that an option with the career path that you're choosing based on what you've heard from the folks that you've talked to Mm-hmm. Have you had to make any difficult career decisions, either in your field of veterinary medicine or health services? Mm-hmm. I think one of the trickier decisions for me was, so I got my master's of public health after vet school, and then my husband and I moved to California for his career, and so that's where I ended up getting just a new set of jobs where I worked at the shelter in a clinic. And then at some point I was four years out of public health school and I, was, I wasn't completely satisfied with being a vet 100% of the time. And I also had this degree that I was 
I got it for a reason. Yeah. I was interested in public health and infectious diseases and getting kind of antsy about whether I was going to use those skills or not. And so I ended up applying for a California Department of Public Health program. It's a California Epidemiologic Investigation Service Fellowship. It's Cal EIS. It's an epidemiology training program. And I applied for it and eventually got in and had a choice to take a a much higher paying vet job, a standard vet job, and work full time, or I could take a a significant salary cut and do something I've been interested in this whole time and move to a different community as well and leave behind the shelter job that I like so much. That was a really hard decision, and I'm so thankful I took the leap because that, that fellowship got me to Santa Cruz County at the public health department where I met a lot of people and my world opened up to mm-hmm. what public health is outside of even infectious diseases. And yeah, just gave me the motivation to stay in it and mm-hmm. take a break from being a vet full time, even though I still like it, I dabble mm-hmm. in it. So that was a difficult decision mm-hmm. to make career wise and life wise. <laughs> and what is the most rewarding part of your career? You know, I think there have been many rewarding parts of it, but most recently was setting up Healthy Pets for All, which was set up a couple of years ago when we recognized there was really a gap in the community and seeing it go from me applying for a small grant through Pets of the Homeless, a nonprofit in Nevada, to setting up the first few clinics and just trying to get supplies and volunteers to help to our last clinic was at Project Homeless Connect in Santa Cruz here in June, and we saw over 80 patients in one day, and just seeing how much that program has developed and what a big difference that has made in some people's lives, even if it's Mm -hmm. just seriously one box, one month of flea control and how grateful people are, has been really rewarding. And it has given me a different perspective on veterinary medicine that I think I was getting a little jaded on when I left the profession full-time, at least, a a few years ago. And... um... Are there any last things you'd like to share? I think it's worth noting for those who are wanting to go in the veterinary field is um, just learning the reality of it, which, you know, we we talked about how difficult it is to get into school, but we didn't really talk about the cost of school once you Mm -hmm. are in. And so a typical tuition over the course of four years might end up being like Mm $200,000 for some students, depending on if you get into an in-state or out-of-state school, and that's not including living costs. So that can be a significant debt. And the other misconception with the veterinary field is that we are very rich and we make tons of money. So I think everyone sees the cost at the clinic and they extrapolate that to um, going directly into the veterinarian's pocket, and that's just not true. And so there's a mismatch of... Mm -hmm the cost of the education and the salaries that um, veterinarians typically will get coming out of school, even for the course of their career. So that's just a reality check. (laughs) Something to keep in mind because debt is real and can make a significant impact on some people's lives, especially if they already have uh, undergrad debt. And then just a plug for veterinarians out there and then students who are thinking about being a veterinarian is that there's so much more to do as a veterinarian than what we typically think. So I kind of talked about public health, the realm of public health and working in epidemiology or disease control, but um, there's plenty of really cool, interesting work where veterinarians can be wildlife veterinarians. They can work at a zoo. 
They can work for a pharmaceutical company, research institutes. They can be the veterinarian over a lab who's trying to come up with a cure for cancer or a cure for HIV. Mm-hmm. Um, they can work in the army abroad, working with horses and dogs that are working uh, animals for the army. There's just, I'm missing so many things. There's just so many cool things veterinarians can do and different skills that you get as a veterinarian that are very unique that you can bring to different job opportunities. If anyone is interested in looking into what the veterinary medical field is like, and this could be for veterinarians or even vet techs, the American Veterinary Medical Association is our professional organization in the U.S., and they have a lot of good resources related to their career, so kind of an analysis of the state of the career in terms of salary and tuition and where veterinarians end up in their career, Mm -hmm. what kind of areas. And then they also have a lot of good educational resources for community members or the or youth. So that's in their resource tab. And then there's a career center. So that is a job board. And I think it's always interesting to kind of check those out just to see what our employer is looking for, you know, whether it be skill set, experience level. They post a salary. You can see a salary of what the typical schedule would be like because that's important to note. Veterinarians often work on the weekends. And then they also have a whole professional development area and policy area. So a lot of what AVMA does is lobby for policy changes related to veterinary medicine. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And thank you to all of our KSQD listeners for tuning into today's Career Story with your hosts, Melina and Ben, on our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Kelly DeBain, who is a health services manager in the Controllable Disease Unit for Santa Cruz County, as well as a veterinarian for the Healthy Pets for All in Santa Cruz. And if you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattobe at ksqd.org. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM, KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening.